Welcome to Strange Talk. Hey, strangers, welcome to another episode of This Week in Crime. <laughs> so, we have a few articles today. I wanted to get a good amount today because. It's not going to be the end of the season. It's going to be the it's like a mid-season end, sort of. You know how Walking Dead kind of ends mid-season, and I'll be coming back. But this isn't the last episode. There's going to be an episode after this, an official episode. This is kind of just a mid-week break, you know, just to kind of keep you guys still <laughs> listening. <laughs> but uh, there will be another official episode. After this episode of uh, Between the Strange, I mean Beyond the Strange, uh, Midweek Madness, and This Week in Crime. Uh, so if you're brand new to the podcast, Midweek in Crime, I mean uh, Midweek Madness and This Week in Crime are basically just me just talking about random shit and just rambling alone to myself because I am a very, very lonely human being. But, <laughs> so. What did you guys think of uh, the, the recent episode that I did have out before, which is episode 15, Charles Chuck Stewart and the Torso Murder, which are two different things. Charles Chuck Stewart was, um, well, I mean, I don't think he was ever really convicted of it, but obviously the, there's like an amount of evidence um, against him because he did seek to try to kill his wife beforehand, but he never was convicted of it obviously because he killed himself because he was a little bitch and didn't want to take the consequences of his actions um so that happened and what made it worse is because of the fact that charles chuck stewart kind of had boston with him only because of the fact that he was white (laughs) and boston and even today i think boston is still heralded as one of the most racist um cities you know and that's pretty fucking crazy and that's sad because I, I think Jimmy Kimmel did a little bit where he went to Boston I don't think he went to Boston himself but I think he had like people go to Boston and they asked locals um, how do you feel knowing that your city is considered one of the most racist cities and um, yeah so that's pretty interesting but the torso murder um, was about Evelyn Dick who was convicted of murdering her husband John Dick but she. I don't know if it was her or if she had help because nobody else was charged with the murder of John Dick. Um, Basically, kids were playing on a a hill that they called the mountain. And this happened in Canada. So it's um, Canada, one of Canada's most infamous murder. And you know what's funny is because I I went back and listened to the episode to see if the way I was talking was okay or if I was coherent or whatever. But it's funny because I actually realized when I said Canada, I said Canada. (laughs) But anyways, um, so she was never convicted of the, well, she was convicted at first, but then she appealed it and they actually granted her appeal. And so she now lives under a name. I don't know if she's still alive because there's no information. She kind of just went dark after that. So there's no other information about Evelyn Dick and who she became because after she appealed her case and she was set free, um, so anyways, going back, cause I just realized I didn't even finish telling well so the kids were playing on a hill which they called the mountain and they saw what looked like a headless pig but upon further inspection as they got closer they saw it was actually the remains of a human being and it turned out to be john dick but he was his arms and his legs were all cut off and he actually had a wound on the side of his abdomen where it looked like they were actually trying to cut his body in half so that's uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, but that's that. If you haven't heard that episode yet, go back and listen to it. See if you find out about Evelyn Dick and who she was. Because nobody really knows if she was actually involved or if she was telling the truth. Because she claims an Italian man was the one responsible for killing her husband, John Dick. Because he was apparently um, cheating on Evelyn Dick and with uh, that Italian man's wife. <laughs> So, uh, without much further ado, let's get into this week in crime, because I really don't have that much going on in the week, but, oh, actually, Christmas is around the corner pretty soon. 
So I was wondering, for my listeners, if you don't mind reaching out to me and telling me what kind of Christmas traditions do you have? Like whether it's watching a movie with the family. Um, my family, we like to open up the presents at midnight on Christmas Eve. We don't really do the whole morning thing. But I've always grown up where we just open up the presents at midnight. You know, before we open up the presents, we hug each other. We pretend like we love each other and everything. And we don't secretly hate one another. <laughs> So I wonder what type of family traditions do you have? For me, I kind of, I mean, it's not really I started a tradition. It's more like I I kind of want to start doing a tradition, but where we watch Christmas Vacation. I know that's everybody else does that, and I know, but I like watching Christmas Vacation. I think it's really funny. Um, so tell me what you guys like to do. Is there like a certain food you guys make? You know, what do you guys like to do? Do you like to open up presents in the morning? Do you like to, you know, let me know. So now, without much further ado, now we go to This Week in Crime. So I was actually sent this um, news story by a listener. Um, I found this article from The Guardian. Um, so thank you to the listener who sent me this article. So a deer poacher is ordered to watch Bambi once a month in jail. <laughs> so a poacher has been ordered to watch the Disney classic Bambi as part of his sentence for illegally killing hundreds of deer. David Barry was ordered by a court in Missouri to watch the film at least once a month during his year-long jail sentence in what conversation, uh, conservation agents have called one of the largest deer poaching cases in state history. <laughs> Again, that sentence just reminds me of like a detective, but now it's a conservation agent saying, oh my god, this is the worst case I've ever seen. <laughs> but anyways the deer uh were trophy bucks taken illegally mostly at night for their heads leaving the bodies of the deer to waste said don trotter the prosecuting attorney in lawrence county in the state's southwest barry his father two brothers and another man who helped them had their hunting fishing and trapping privileges revoked temporarily or permanently the men have paid $51,000 in fines and court costs, but the judge ordered a special addition to Barry's sentence for illegally taking wildlife. Court records show he was ordered by County Judge Robert George to view the Walt Disney movie Bambi, with the first viewing being on or before the 23rd of December of 2018, and at least one such viewing each month thereafter, while at the county jail. Barry was also sentenced to 120 days in jail in nearby Barton County for a firearms probation violation. His father, David Barry Sr., and his brother, Kyle Barry, were arrested in August after a nearly nine-month investigation that also involved cases in Kansas, Nebraska, and Canada. The Missouri Department of Conservation said information from the investigation led to 14 Missouri residents facing more than 230 charges in 11 counties. Investigators say Barry Sr.'s uh, other son, Eric Barry, was later caught with another person spotlighting deer, where poachers use light at night to make deer paws and easier to hunt. <laughs> the investigation into the Barrys began in late 2015, when the conservation agency received an anonymous tip about deer poaching in Lawrence County. So that's the first article. He is forced to watch Bambi. I mean... I feel like that's not really that bad. I mean, eventually he'll get bored of it, of course, but I feel like that's still not that bad. I mean, the only part, the rest of the movie is just enjoyable. The only part that's sad is in the beginning when Bambi's mother's dead. But other than that, the rest of the movie is kind of okay. I don't really see that as a harsh punish punishment. Okay, so on to the next one. So this article comes from the Washington Post. I have a few. Actually, I just have one more from the Washington Post. But a mother vanished on Thanksgiving Day, but her cell phone kept sending mysterious clues. So Kelsey Barrett had popped into a supermarket on Thanksgiving Day with her one-year-old daughter in tow. Surveillance video shows the 29-year-old mother walk into a Safeway that afternoon near her home in Woodland Park, Colorado. Moments later, she was seen pushing a cart holding her child. It's not clear what exactly she was shopping for or what else she did that day, but she later vanished. Barith never returned, but the circumstances following her disappearance have left her family members and friends grappling with questions and investigators searching for answers. Three days after she went missing, 
text messages were still being sent from her phone, one to her fiance, Patrick Frazee, and one to her employer, explaining that she would not be showing up for work, police said. On Tuesday, authorities released the grocery store surveillance footage, the last time she was seen in public, hoping that it may lead to additional tips in the case. She's not the kind of uh, she's not the kind that runs off. This is completely out of character, her mother Cheryl Barrett said at a news conference earlier this week. Kelsey loves her dog, she loves her family and friends, and she loves her job. She's reliable, considerate, and honest. Then, through tears, she asked her daughter to try to call home. Kelsey, we just want you home, she said. We won't quit looking. Woodland Park Police Chief Miles DeYoung told reporters that Barrett's mother reported her missing on December 2nd, 10 days after she had disappeared from her home. Uh, DeYoung said Fra- Frazee told Barrett's mother as well as authorities that he last saw Barrett in the afternoon on Thanksgiving Day when he picked up their one-year-old daughter, Kaylee. However, police said the last time they had visual confirmation was hours earlier on the grocery store surveillance video. Kaylee is currently with her father, that's their one-year-old daughter, police said. When the text messages were sent from Barrett's cell phone, November 25th, it pinged near Gooding, Idaho, about 800 miles from her home. Her mother lives in that state, police said. The police chief said that investigators have not identified a suspect in the case and that they are treating Kelsey's disappearance as a missing persons case at this time. Since Barrett went missing, family members have been posting pictures and messages about the 29-year-old woman on Facebook, offering information and pleading with the public for help. Family members said Barrett, who was last seen wearing a white shirt, gray sweater, and blue jeans, is a pilot and instructor in Pueblo, Colorado. She loves hiking, running, and bicycling, and has relatives in Washington State and Colorado, one post said. Kelsey, a lot of heart is being poured into you. Don't give up. Family members wrote on the page, you are needed and loved. If you can let us know somehow, you are okay. So that's pretty crazy. <sighs> um, I, I, that's, I don't know. Like, that's pretty crazy that her cell phone is still sending text messages. The fact that her cell phone was still sending text messages makes me feel like maybe, like, <sighs> I'm hoping that, that this is not the case. Um, I mean, either way, what I'm about to say is not a good scenario either way. Maybe she met somebody and she realized that she doesn't want to maybe be part of her daughter's life because it seems like her marriage isn't working. Maybe she met somebody and she realized maybe this could be a way for me to get out and not have to deal with anything because sometimes there are people out there that do that, whether it be a man or a woman. But we do have cases of where they regret being a a parent and they don't want to be a parent anymore. Uh, So maybe she met somebody and, you know, she thought maybe this is what I can do. But who knows? More than likely, she was probably abducted because there is a huge human trafficking problem within our country and actually all over the world. So I don't doubt that she's probably abducted and probably being forced into sex um, labor. But it's a sad, sick, sad world we live in. Uh, Very strange world we live in indeed. Okay, so here's the next article coming from the Washington Post as well. A man watched porn on his dead girlfriend's phone as she lay on the couch for days. (laughs) That's the headline for the article. For three straight days, Larry Shell Jr. mostly stayed inside the apartment, authority said. He spent some of that time watching pornography on his girlfriend's cell phone while his girlfriend, who had been reported missing, lay dead on their living room couch. Tequita, oh my god, that's a, Tequita Browhow, Browhow, Tequita Browhow has sustained trauma to her neck caused by an edged weapon, according to court documents. Although Shell did not admit to killing his girlfriend, he told police that his pocket knife had been used to end her life in the apartment they shared in Monroe. And he never called police to report that she was dead, police said. Shell has been charged with second-degree murder in Brohau's death. Booking records show that he was being held at the Ouachita Correctional Center on a $1 million bond. It was unclear whether he had an attorney. 
The details began to emerge Monday night after authorities responded to a call about a disturbance not far from where Shell and Brahal lived. Shell told police that he and another man, who was not identified, had brushed past each other while walking down a sidewalk and started to fight. Shell said he was armed with a knife and told police that he struck the man numerous times, cutting his head and arm and stomach, according to an arrest warrant affidavit. The victim was taken to a hospital for treatment and Shell was arrested on the charge of aggravated second-degree battery, according to court records. With Shell in custody, authorities continued investigating the disappearance of Brauhau, who had not been heard from since November 30th, several days before Shell's arrest. Late Monday night, police took Brauhau's mother by the apartment, where they found the 26-year-old's body. During questioning about the battery of the man on the street, authorities say Shell changed his story, telling investigators that he had, in fact, confronted the man because he suspected he had killed Brahau. Shell told investigators that he removed the knife from Brahau's neck after discovering her deceased late last week, then used the weapon to commit the battery, according to an arrest warrant affidavit. He also admitted that he had stayed in the apartment with the body for three days and never called the police, and that he also watched pornography on the victim's phone, according to court documents. The documents state that Shell admitted to police that he was the last person to see Brahau alive and the first to discover her deceased. Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, there's not really much more I can say on that article. But, uh, so apparently he killed his girlfriend. And, yeah. So, here's this interesting piece. Um, this comes from the DailyMail.com. And I I heard this one because of a radio station, local radio station that I listen to. They're called Kevin and Bean. So, you know, anybody who listens to Kevin and Bean, what's up? But I tend to listen to them every morning. If I'm not listening to a podcast in the morning on my way to work, they are a morning radio show. So I listen to Kevin and Bean uh, every morning when I usually go to work. So here's the story. Mother claims her three-year-old daughter captured spooky Snapchat of her dead grandfather speaking to her from beyond the grave. A mother has claimed her daughter captured the ghost of her granddad speaking to her from beyond the grave in a Snapchat video. Katie Mercer believes her little girl, Madeline Jones, recorded the spooky message of a man's voice on the social media app while filming herself. The 24-year-old said a male voice can be heard on her phone, and despite no men living or being in their home, in the spooky social media footage, Three-year-old Madeline had a Harley Quinn filter over her face and spoke into the camera saying, a cheeky little, before pausing as though she is thinking. The male voice then responded with the word monkey, while the toddler stopped to mull over her next word, which the little girl then repeated. I'll, I'll be playing the video, I'll be playing the audio of that Snapchat video um, after I finished the article. So after hearing the voice and freaking out, Katie showed the video to her mum, Sarah Mercer, 49, who immediately identified it as her late husband, Peter Mercer. Oh, I thought it was her grandfather. So I guess it's her husband. Oh, Peter, who is nicknamed Peter Pan by his friends and family, passed away from throat cancer at age 63 in 2016 when Madeline was just five months and... Wait, what? Katie? Oh, yeah. So, see, it's her grandfather. See, I fucking confused myself. That's how fucking retarded I am. Katie showed the... That's that's just because I have a lack of sleep. Katie showed the video to her mom, Sarah Mercer, 49, who immediately identified it as her late husband, Peter Mercer. Peter, who was nicknamed Peter Pan by his friends and family, passed away from throat cancer at age 63 in 2016 when Madeline was just five months old. So she at least got to meet him. She just is not old enough to remember. The little girl often tells her mom about a ghost in the house, and instead of playing with her little sister, Louisa Jones, too, just sits alone chatting away in one-sided conversations. When Madeline's mom asks her what she's up to, the tot replies that she's playing with granddad. Full-time mom of two, Katie of Conway, North Wales, said, Madeline likes to take videos of herself on my phone. This time she was using a filter, but it's not a voice-changing filter. It's her voice you can hear from most of the video. 
Katie believes her little girl captured the ghost. And then it just goes on to show pictures of uh, the filter. And uh, sorry, I have to skip through all these fucking ads because it's just a horrible layout for a website. I didn't hear the man's voice until the fifth time I replayed the video. Madeline starts off saying a cheeky little, and then she paused like she's thinking. I think she paused because recently she overheard me saying cheeky little bitch <laughs> on the phone. I think she wanted to repeat it, but knew she'd get in trouble if she said the B word. While she's paused, you can hear a male's voice say monkey, like he's prompting her. Then Madeline says monkey. The man's voice and what he says is so clear, it's crazy. When I first heard it, I really freaked out. I showed the video to my mom, and she instantly said it sounds like my dad. Quite a few people have said the same since then. It is a bit freaky, but I really do believe it's him, and it's so comforting to know he's with her and looking after her. The video isn't the first hint Katie has had that her dad might be watching over Madeline. Katie added that she tried to convince her daughter that the voice was just the noise of the house and not a ghost. She said, there have been a few things that have gone on before this. Madeline would tell me about a ghost going up and downstairs at night. I tried to tell her it's just the house going to sleep because that's what my dad used to tell me. She replied, no, it's the ghost who sleeps in my bedroom. That really freaked me out. Then recently, I noticed that instead of playing with Louisa, Madeline, Madeline has started playing alone and she'll have these one-sided conversations. It's not like she has an invisible friend. She actually stops as if she's listening to someone replying to her. When I asked her what she's doing, she tells me she's playing with granddad. My dad passed away when Madeline was just five months old, so she's too young to remember him. He did get to meet her after she was born. He loved every bone of her. Everyone called my dad Peter Pan because he was so outgoing and young at heart. People would never thought he'd go, especially not as young as he did. While some people have been skeptical, skeptical about the video, it has made Katie a firm believer in the paranormal. Katie added, some people have said the voice sounds robotic and that the video is edited, but I don't even know how to edit videos. I used to be the same. I was so skeptical when people would tell me about their paranormal experiences. But after listening to this video and hearing my dad, I really do believe it's made me so much more open-minded. So that's kind of a touching story, I guess. But now I'm going to play the audio for you guys. So reach out to me at Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram, or if you want to email me at Strange Talk podcast at outlook.com and let me know if you hear the voice and if you believe or if you're skeptical because I'm a, I'm, I'm a skeptic myself I've never really experienced anything I just experienced one thing in my life but never again and I've never experienced anything so I mean my dad recently passed away if he somehow made contact with my daughter through snapchat I would like him to do so because maybe then that would probably make me a firm believer in the paranormal but I for one don't believe in the afterlife. I feel we die and that is it. We just go back into being atoms and energy into the universe, sort of like a spirit talk. So I'm going to play the audio right now. Let me know if you guys hear the voice. Let me know what you think. So reach me at Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram. Or send me an email at Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com and let me know if you hear anything. Okay, here's the audio. Monkey. Monkey. A cheeky Monkey. Monkey. So that was the audio from the little girl who whose mother claims that she captured the voice of her dead father, the little girl's grandfather. What do you think? Do you think it's true? Do you think it was edited? Are you skeptic? Why do I want to keep saying septic like a septic tank? A skeptic like myself. Uh, let me know. Just uh, again, I'm going to keep plugging it until I drive it home, until I drive it into your fucking minds. Uh, you, you can reach me at Strange Talk Podcasts on Instagram or by email at Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. Uh, let me know what you guys think. If it's uh, true, if you're a believer in the afterlife, just let me know what you think. I always like talking to fans or just people in general through through the internet. Uh, I don't do so well talking in person as I'm hugely, hugely an introverted person. The Austra Okay, so this, uh, I was about to just start reading the post. Uh, I mean, the article. So here's the next article. It's by, it's from the New York Post. 
and it is a gamer claims assault on pregnant partner during live stream was one off. The Australian gamer was arrested after allegedly assaulting his pregnant partner during a live stream while their two young children <laughs> screamed and cried, says it won't happen again. I'm pretty sure that wasn't the first time it happened. Uh, Luke Monday, 26, oh, excuse me, was arrested just before midnight on Sunday, about three hours after he could be heard on his live stream, allegedly getting into a violent fight with his 21-year-old pregnant partner. He has since been charged with common assault and will face court on Thursday. But on Tuesday, he told reporters what really happened would come out in court. <coughs> oh, God, sorry. Sorry for your ears. Speaking publicly for the first time since the attack, Monday refused to get out of bed when his grandparents let reporters into the house to try and talk to him. The telecommunications engineer, who has been suspended from his role pending an investigation, said he had not watched the footage where he can be heard screaming at his partner to fuck off and telling her he will be out soon after playing popular online game Fortnite for hours. <laughs> Fortnite. What was the game before Fortnite that was... Ah, it was Skyrim. I, I kid you not, the game Skyrim, I love that game. I spent a bunch of hours into that game, but luckily for me, I wasn't, I don't think I was dating at the time, so I was able to, I, now that I'm thinking about this and saying this story out loud, it's a pretty fucking sad and pathetic story, but I don't think I was dating anybody at, at the time when I was playing Sky, Skyrim, so I was able to just sink hours, unfortunately, it's so sad when I think back on it now but <laughs> i remember hearing about skyrim actually breaking up a marriage uh it was between a husband and a wife the husband wasn't the one actually breaking up the marriage it was the wife <laughs> i guess he filed for divorce and his reasons for filing divorce was because she would spend too much time playing skyrim on pc and he decided to divorce her don't know what came of that but maybe i'll look it up um after these articles um, okay, so let me get back to the article. There's no point in seeing the video. I know what happened, he told the Daily Telegraph on 7 News Sydney. And what happened is not what everyone assumes has happened. You're all judging the video. You don't see what happens. You haven't read the police report. You don't actually know what happened off camera. Sounds like an asshole. Everyone thinks I kicked the shit out of her, which is which clearly isn't the case. If that happened, I wouldn't be charged with common assault, would I? <laughs> he got us there <laughs> your move sydney australia <laughs> common assault means no injury when asked if he was a woman basher he replied no she knows that it's a one-off and she'll corroborate cor corroborate god i cannot fucking speak well if you listen to my other this week in crimes i tend to not speak a lot like well most of my episodes that in court the court will decide what happens they have the evidence they have her statement and they have my statement and they match there's no issue there it's never happened before and it won't happen again his grandfather john monday said that the incident was shocking but there was more to the story they have their problems but something must have gone she must have thrown something at him or done something and the whole thing's just exploded he told parties he kind of sounds like he's giving the excuse like oh what did you do to make him upset? Um, who was it? I remember I saw a video of um, Patrick Stewart. And this made me respect Patrick Stewart more than I already fucking respect him. But he, I think, he, I believe he was speaking to like an outreach group of um, females about domestic abuse. And he was telling a story about himself. And I fucking respect him a whole lot more because of this. Um, he kind of teared up in the video but he was talking about an incident that he had when he was just a child because his father i believe was in the navy and the british navy and he he said that his during i guess his father was in world war ii and his father came back shell-shocked and at the time he said you know obviously shell-shocked wasn't really a thing that was known it, it was it was just we were always taught back then that men are supposed to be men and tough and made of rock and stone and nothing can hurt us little do we know that that's not true in any sense but uh he goes on to say that uh his father just snapped one day because his mom said something to him that sounded kind of like standoffish or just sarcastic remark and he blew up and he started beating her and he remembers i think he said he was only six or eight years old at the time and he remembers standing there and the thing that 
shocked him the most wasn't the brutal beating of his mother in front of him. It was the fact that when uh, the police came, uh, Patrick Stewart said, when the police came, the first thing that they said to his mother was, what did you do to upset him? Instead of saying, he should have never done this to you. And obviously applause and everything. And it, and it's it, it was just kind of sad. And it made me respect him to, to know that although he is a celebrity, you know, we don't all live glamorous lives growing up. Okay, um, back to the article. In the video stream, Monday, also known by his Twitch streaming name, Mr. Death Moth, Mr. Dead Moth, can be heard telling his partner to go away as she approaches him. Can you not? I said I'll be out soon, he says. No computer, I'm sick of this shit, the woman responds. The gamer is then seen stepping away from his camera, leaving the live stream to keep recording before a noise that sounds like a slap rings out. His partner can be heard crying off camera as he says, How many times do I have to tell you I'd said I'd be out soon? <laughs> Monday was once lauded for his tech skills, skills that landed him a top job at Telstra, Australia's largest telecommunications company. In 2016, Northern Sydney TAFE released an article about Monday and his participation in the Cisco Networking Academy Netwriters competition on Australia's top-ranking IT networking expert. Monday was profiled by Cisco in November 2017, telling the tech company he was raised by a single mom and that family security is vital to me. Oh, when my sorry, it's because this fucking website has this stupid, obnoxious advertisement that covers the article, and ugh, I hate that, so I have to scroll to like move it. Monday was profiled by Cisco in November 2017. I already read that. <laughs> when my partner fell pregnant with our first child, a lot changes, and your responsibilities go through the roof. He said, "Well, no shit." I kind of had that philosophy. I wouldn't let that happen to my own kids. The mother of Monday's partner said he spends up to eight hours a day on Twitch, a video streaming platform where gamers can make money. As well as earning money from Twitch streaming and playing Fortnite, Monday was also working at Telstra as a network engineer, a job he was offered after placing sixth at the 2016 Cisco competition. And that is a very... Network engineering is a very, very fucking stressful job. I'm not... I'm not saying what he did is okay. That has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying, like, that it's a very stressful job. Um, and his act, that doesn't mean it's okay what he did in any sense. I'm not saying, I'm not approving or saying that what he did was okay. I'm just saying that it is a very stressful job. Um, Telstra General Manager of Media Steve Carey confirmed Monday he has suspended by the company immediately after his arrest. Um, we have suspended Luke's employment pending a full investigation and will cooperate with any police investigation, Kerry said in a statement. That sucks, dude. That's a really, really good job. You make fucking good money, and that sucks that he's going to lose his job, but, I mean, he deserves it by all means. He deserves it. Uh, domestic violence has no place in our community. No place. <laughs> domestic violence has no place in our community. It is totally unacceptable and needs to be eradicated. Monday will face Camden local court on Thursday, charged with common assault. He was granted conditional bail. While the woman was not seriously injured, she was distressed and shaken by the incident. An apprehended violence order has been served, police said. Snippets from Monday's live stream went viral on social media yesterday after viewers witnessed the altercation. Police later confirmed the two girls, aged 3 and 20 months, were home at the time of the live stream. So Fortnite, man, it's taken, it's taken families now. You've taken our children, and now you're after our, our, <laughs> our husbands and wives. Uh, so here's the next article by the New York Post as well. Uh, a cannibal who walked into police station with human hand jailed for life. Yes, you heard that right. A cannibal who walked into a police station and confessed he was fed up with eating human flesh has been caged for life. Twisted Nino Mombatha horrified cops by pulling a woman's severed hand and leg from a pink school bag, triggering the grisly discovery of more body parts from a young mom. Mombatha and his sidekick Langizani Magumbe. I'm sorry, these are just very hard for me to say. Langizani, Langizani Magumbe. I feel like I'm saying like a curse or something. Both 32 were found guilty of murdering a 24-year-old mom, 
Zanelli Hilatsoe escort in escort South Africa. Both. Oh, I have a listener. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not super buddies with them, but I mean, we're acquaintances. She's from South Africa. I wonder if she heard about this. Um, reach out to me, um, Spooksy Ghoul, um, and let me know uh, if, if you heard about this case and teach me how to properly say those names because they're from South Africa. Um, both were said to have eaten parts of Halath Sueyo's body. Halath Sueyo's body? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher these fucking names. A third man, Kaleli Lamula, Lamula, 32, was acquitted due to the lack of evidence. I feel so fucking white, but I'm not white. I'm actually Mexican. But I, I, now I know what it's like for a white person to try to say a Mexican name uh, or something. Well, I mean, they're not this hard to say. Um, oh, you stupid advertisements. Oh, my God. I got to stop coming to this website. Um. Okay, uh, ju- uh, yeah, okay, so Judge Peter Olson jailed Mombatha and Mongubang for life after declaring that an impact statement by Hilatshuweo's mom was one of the most meaningful he had ever come across. He dismissed an appeal application by Mombatha at Peter Maritzburg High Court, saying there was little chance of it succeeding. Mangumbe said he was going to talk with the family before making a similar application. Constable Ryan, I'm not even going to attempt to say that last name because it's very long and looks very difficult. You know what? Fuck it. I'll just try. Ryan Shilan Tishali told the trial he was stunned when Mimbatha walked into his police station. I thought he was mentally unstable because he kept speaking out of turn. Um, he was shouting, I need the police's help because I'm tired of being forced to eat human flesh. Ninshalan Shalant Shali Shalant Shali said he warned Mimbatha to stay silent after his court after his outburst, but Mimbatha insisted on talking. He pointed to the bag and said there are human parts in here, the cop told the hearing. He opened the bag and took out what looked like a hand and put it on the counter. He and a colleague initially thought it was a doll's hand. Shalant Shali testified. He then took out a red tacky, a shoe, from the bag, and a horrible smell came with it. It was at that point that I told him I was placing him under arrest on suspicion of murder. Shalant Shali said Mimbatha later led police to a one-room house where he claimed he was being held captive and forced to eat human flesh. I followed the accused into the room where he retrieved a small dish, he told the court. Inside the dish, I saw something shaped like an ear and what appeared to be jaws. He then picked up another bucket that appeared to have intestines in it. Mimbatha, Magumbane, and Lamula denied murdering Zanelli. A fourth man arrested and charged with them, Sithembiso Sithol? 31 died in prison after apparently killing himself while awaiting trial. Prosecutors said Mangubain and Lamula went <laughs> Lamula <laughs> went to tra- traditional healer Mimbatha to bring them good luck. Mimbatha was said to have told them ancestors insisted that blood needed to be spilled. Lamula reportedly <laughs> later I don't know why that's so funny to me. Lamula reportedly later found Zanelli drunk and she got to his car. Because <laughs> it just sounds like I'm trying to say like money in Spanish. He then picked up his co-defendants and drove to a scheduled spot where Mombatha killed Zanelli. Prosecutor said <clears throat> cannibal allegations rocked the area <clears throat> in August of 2017 after one of the suspects was said to have led community members and police to the woman's body. It was buried under big rocks, and we had to call a machine to remove the rocks. Local counselor Mithembeni Majola said at the time, they showed us the body parts in one of the houses. They admitted that they were waiting for the body parts to attract maggots. Apparently mag- maggots collect money for them. Interesting. Police spokeswoman uh, Colonel Co- Colonel Yeah, Col- Colonel Thambeka Mimbihili said the suspects were arrested after Mimbatha walked into the police station with his 
tired of eating human flesh, bombshell. Mibihili said when he was questioned, he produced a human hand. Further investigation led police to a house where they were met with a foul smell and more human remains were found. A second suspect was also arrested in escort and a third in the Mgwai area. More body parts were found. So that is a very, very shocking fucking story that this man just walked into a police station in South Africa and said, hey, I don't want I want to stop eating fucking human flesh. Uh, that's, those names are very fucking hard to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Reach out to me, Spookdorp. Um, she also has a podcast as well. She's from South Africa. I've had some interesting conversations about, um, with her. She's actually from Pretoria, South Africa. So I'm sorry if I'm, I'm just giving all your information out. I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize, you know, maybe you don't want that information out. Uh, so I'm sorry for that. But uh, reach out to me, uh, Spookdorp, and let me know. <clears throat> um, let me know how to say these names properly. If you need me to send you the article, just reach out to me at Strange Talk Podcast. Uh, so reach out to me. Yeah, I haven't spoken to you while. Well. I wonder how you're doing. Um, but she has an interesting podcast, so I'm going to shout it out right now. She has a pretty interesting podcast. It's basically true crime and superstition and supernatural beliefs in South Africa. Um, you, you can only catch it right now on SoundCloud. Um, but it's a pretty interesting podcast nonetheless, um, just to learn a little bit about South Africa. So reach out to me, Spookdorp, and let me know how to pronounce those names properly. Um, Spooky Dorp, and let me know how to pronounce it properly. Okay, so on to the next article. This comes from ABC Fox Montana. Shout out to Montana listeners. <laughs> Man says he was shot after being mistaken for Bigfoot. Dude must have been really hairy. So here we go. In Helena, a man in Helena is claiming to have been shot after being mistaken for Bigfoot. Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Office tells us a man was target practicing in the North Hills when he was forced to take cover after shots were fired in his direction. <clears throat> Once the bullets stopped flying, the man claims he approached the shooter to try to get an explanation. The shooter said, I was out hunting Bigfoot. Thought he was Bigfoot, and he said, no, he wasn't Bigfoot. And then the guy said, you should be wearing an orange. You should be wearing orange. It seemed like a non-emotional approach to something that's extremely serious, said Leo Dutton, the Lewis and Clark County Sheriff. Police say the man called in the report the day after the incident. He couldn't remember who he talked to and gave a description of a black Ford F-150 that the man had. Police checked the area and found no such vehicle. The man didn't want to press charges, and police say they haven't heard about any other leads in this situation. So that's a pretty short, short article. But yeah, so that happened in Montana. So shout out to any listeners from Helena, Montana. Let me know if you guys heard about this. So, um, next article comes from Express and Star. Man admits to having sex with dead body at Great Bar Funeral Home. A burglar has admitted to breaking into a Great Bar Funeral Home and having sex with a dead body. This took place in the UK. Casim uh, Kuram pleaded guilty on Wednesday to an offense of sexual penetration of a body at the Central England Cooperative Funeral Care Home in Walsall Road on November 11th. A judge adjourned Karam sentencing for a psychiatric report until January 31st, 2019, but warned the defendant he was facing a substantial jail term. Kuram of Kenilworth Road in Austin, Birmingham, appeared in custody in Birmingham Crown Court Dock flanked by a security officer during a 10-minute hearing on Wednesday. The 23-year-old also admitted burglary of the funeral home, breaking into the building with the intention of stealing. That's not all he stole, huh? huh? <laughs> Wearing a black hooded top and trousers and sporting a Palestinian flag tattoo on the left side of his neck, he stood with his hands clutched in front of him as the charges were read. The court heard... He was briefly sectioned on arrest. Judge Francis Laird, QC, said, I will adjourn your sentence to the date. Okay, let me read that in the proper way. 
I will adjourn your sentence to the date that he has been raised in court. I will allow your solicitors the appropriate time to present to the court a medical report which your solicitor thinks will assist in delivering the appropriate sentence for you. But you must be under no illusion that you will receive a sentence of imprisonment for your offering in this case a substantial sentence of imprisonment. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Following the hearing, a Central England cooperative spokesman said, Our primary concern is for the families we serve and the welfare of our funeral colleagues who have all been deeply affected by this incredibly disturbing and unprecedented event. The security measures at Great Bar are such that the alarm he alerted the police, who were thankfully able to apprehend the suspect at the scene. We would like to thank the West Midlands Police for their care and assistance, and we will work to support them in any way possible. We will not be making any further comment until the conclusion of this case. So hopefully I can get an update from his sentencing and, and everything. So here is the last and final article of this week in crime. Uh, we're, almost, we're almost there. Uh, getting a good stretch in. Okay, this comes from Examiner Live. This also comes from the UK. So here's the headline. A man jailed for trying to smuggle drugs into a woman's prison under his foreskin. A recovering drug addict who tried to smuggle heroin and crack cocaine into a female prison under his foreskin has been jailed. David James Smith was caught with the drugs when he went to visit his long-term girlfriend in HMP New Hall in Flockton near Wakefield. The 39-year-old was identified as a person of interest when he went through security at the prison and agreed to a full search on April 23, 2015, Leeds Crown Court heard. Michael Greenhall, prosecuting, said that during the course of the search, a 10 pound deal of heroin and crack cocaine was found in a blue wrapped secreted un secreted under his smith's foreskin smith who was in recovery at the time said he lapsed when he bought the drugs in wakefield bus station took them in the toilets and stashed the leftovers in the usual spot to avoid being robbed adding i did not want one stealing my drugs he said sniffer dogs were only used sometimes at the prison and he stashed the needle and spoons in a bush outside, which he showed to staff after being caught. At his initial court appearance, Smith was bailed but did not attend his next appearance and was unlawfully at large for the next three years. Smith, who lives with his partner in Shellwood Drive in Arlton, Bradford, later pleaded guilty to conveying an article into prison and, falling and failing to surrender. He claimed the drugs were for his own personal use and it, he expected it to be closed visit with no opportunity to pass them to his partner, who had used drugs in the past but was clean in prison. Smith said, I didn't want her to know I had messed up, but Mr. Greenhall said the prison governor said it was initially an open visit and Smith was only informed that he had been, uh, been changed to a closed visit when he came through security. At the conclusion of the Newton hearing, recorder Jeremy Hill Baker said, I have found you to crack cocaine and heroin into New Hall Prison with the intention that it be passed onto your partner. <laughs> the judge said Smith, who started using drugs at the age of 16, had a poor record of offending up until 2012. Howard Shaw, mitigating, said Smith has been free from the heroin for a number of years with the occasional lapse and is on a methadone, methadone prescription. He also said Smith had not offered, uh, I'm sorry, he also said Smith had not offended while he was at large and that time was perhaps ironically more effective than a suspend suspended sentence. The judge sentenced Smith to 10 months imprisonment. He offered a forfeiture and destruction of the drugs if they were still being kept by police. So that... <laughs> oh, well, there's comments on this one. Okay, so some people are saying smuggling drugs into prison should carry a mandatory five-year sentence to be served in full. Uh, somebody else said, will they share a cell? LOL. Judge should have ordered circumcision as well. Um, Five-month sentence to help wifey seems good to me. So, unfortunately, I don't want to leave you guys, but I must leave you as this is the end of This Week in Crime. But thank you for joining me. On another edition of This Week in Crime, the midweek madness that is This Week in Crime. 
Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed all the little articles I had for you today. And stay tuned for a new episode, which may or may not be another edition of Disturbing 911 Calls. I haven't done one in quite a while. Those were my most popular ones. Um, I only did two, but they were my most popular episodes of this season so far. So I may do another one. I may not. It just depends on how many calls I feel are worthy to be added to the episode i may not who knows we'll see so we'll see what the future holds for us but thank you for listening to this week in crime so if you have any articles that you think would be interesting to be featured in this week in crime you can go ahead and dm me on instagram and follow me if you're not already following me you can go ahead and follow me at strange talk podcast want to send them by way of email you can do so at strange talk podcast at outlook.com so thank you again for joining me on this episode of this week in crime i sound like a broken record but i just want to thank you guys thank everybody that keeps listening to the episodes because without you guys strange talk wouldn't be a thing (sighs) Ah, that was a mouthful so without keeping you guys here any longer As always, stay strange. Real quick, I totally forgot to mention this during the episode, but real quick, I just want to let you guys, I'm doing this, uh, I just want to let you guys know if you're anything like me and a bit of a procrastinator, because I am sometimes, sometimes I need some motivation, then why not give a coworker of mine, he's recently new to the podcast scene, um, and to be honest with you, just being brand new, I'm, I'm not going to lie, his podcast is actually very interesting. He talks, he's basically a motivational podcast. Um, and I work with him and he's, like I said, he's pretty brand new. So he's pretty fresh. He has, a, like I want to say about nine episodes or six episodes. I could be totally wrong. Actually, let me look up exactly right now how many episodes he has. Uh, but his podcast is basically a motivational podcast. And so yeah, he has about ten. He has ten episodes out actually. They're very short podcast um, episodes. They usually range from three minutes to five minutes to six minutes at most. Um, but you can go ahead and check his podcast out, and it's called One Step at a Time. And he's basically here to just get your ass in gear and motivate you to accomplish whatever it is that you have yet to accomplish. Um, so you can find him on Instagram at one step at a time podcast. That's all one word, one step at a time podcast. You can go ahead and follow him and, you know, say, Hey, strange talk sent me here, get my ass in gear. So go ahead and follow him at one step at a time podcast and check out his motivational podcasts and help him gain new listeners. So thank you again for listening to this episode of This Week in Crime. And as always, stay strange.